0: So great to see all of you. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. You know, our series is called Breakthrough. Now, I realize we're only 10 days into the new year. and Some of us might say we're already 10 days into the new year. It's true. Um, Time is already racing ahead, but it's not too late to make good adjustments and one of the things that I've come to really, truly believe in is that the decisions we make at the outset of the year go a long way to shaping how we end up approaching the entire year. Foundations matter. Beginnings matter. Now, they don't tell the whole story. There's a lot of variables. I think a lot of us are aware of that. We just saw how last year worked out. It certainly wasn't predictable. But if we make good adjustments and good, uh, establish some good patterns early on in a year... It can oftentimes carry us into a, a season of breakthrough or growth in our lives. And so that's my desire. You know, I, I want to have us look actually back into the Older Testament and start this off. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm calling the message opening doors for a new year. And I'm convinced that there are things that God wants to open up in us as we open this new year. You know, for those of you who've accepted Jesus and um, you've known him, maybe you've known him for a number of years. Maybe uh, the challenge for you is not so much staying faithful in your walk with the Lord and your convictions around who he is. It's more about keeping them vital and alive. It's like any kind of love. It's very easy to take things for granted when we've become accustomed to them. It's human nature. But the Lord wants us to periodically stir things up so that even the things that we've come to grow accustomed to can be fresh and renewed inside of us. And I know that even in my own life now, having followed Jesus for all of these decades, yeah, since I was but a a young man, really. I mean, I grew up in church in Sunday school, which Some of you are having the blessing of being able to take advantage of what I think is a wonderful uh, right now online children's ministry, kids ministry that we've been just pouring energy and life into. But, uh, you know, I grew up in Sunday school. It was a much smaller church that I grew up in. But uh, those seeds were planted. And then when I was a teenager, they came to a point of fruition where the God that I had learned about all those Bible stories that I had had embedded into my heart. Um, they they came alive to me when I was touched by the Lord's Spirit in my life and made a decision as a teenager to truly follow Him. And that has made all the difference. And I still remember the excitement of those early years where I started reading His Scriptures and they came alive to me. The Older Testament, I found myself very intrigued with it as well. The stories, the examples, there was just so much life in it. I just found it to be... Uh, like an adventure of discovery, God's word, things new and old flowing out of it. I remember reading uh, a commentary. The first little devotional I had was one of those daily breads. And I remember reading them. I'd read the passage. I'd read the commentary and maybe speak a little prayer or affirmation. It was just su- such a life giving to me. And I've, I've tried to maintain that through the vast majority of my life, obviously changed now that I'm a pastor, but, um, uh, You know, every now and then, we do need to stir up the gift that is within us to make it alive again. That's like move the fire around a little, move the wood around, let some fresh oxygen in, mix some things up, do some things different, remind ourselves that love needs to be nurtured. It can't just always be the same thing. There's a comfort in the same. Maybe some of us during this unique time have found some of that comfort in the sameness of life, but there's also a need to change things up. And so, um, I guess I said all that, (laughs) I said all that to say that part of my desire, if you've been following the Lord for even just a modest amount of time, and certainly if you've been following him for a long time is to strengthen you and to keep you encouraged and to motivate you to pursue him in fresh ways, to keep your relationship with the Lord vital and growing alive and in love. Um, and to those of you who are seeking, and maybe you're not even at that point where you would totally describe yourself as a Christian, you have yet to be baptized. You haven't fully accepted him into your life. Maybe this is your time. I want to inspire you. I, I want to inspire you too, to believe in the God who believes in you, who is for you, and who isn't even now reaching out to you, who has given us everything. He's given us Jesus, his only begotten son. And he so deeply loves you and wants you to be his son and his daughter, his beloved son and his beloved daughter, just accept his name, accept his word in your life, accept his presence, confess him as your Lord and your savior. Tell him, I am, I'm a sinner who's open to you, God, and I want to receive you and all that you have for me. You can do that this day even, you know? So I, I just know, even now, Lord, I just pray wherever we are in our faith journey, we're almost there. If we've just begun, like some of us, Lord, maybe we even came to you during this time. We came to you online, right? And for others of us who've been following you now for many years or just a few even, but we're very sincere. I just ask that you would meet each one of us where we need it most. That's my prayer. Bless this word. Let it come alive. My, my desire, my earnest desire is to see all of us drawn closer to you, including myself, in Jesus' name. breakthrough, Lord. Amen. All right, let's begin by going back in time to a unique period in the history of Israel. It was about 700 years before the time of Christ. We read about it in the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles. We're gonna look at the 28th chapter, verses 22 through 27. Let me just start by, with that 22nd verse. It says, even during the t- this time of trouble, even during this time of trouble. Now the trouble that is being referred to had to do with the enemies at the gate, the southern kingdom, Judah, was in real peril. Uh, they were all that was left of the nation of Israel, Judah, Jew, Jew Jewish, it's the connection there. But the northern kingdom had already fallen to the Syrians. So Judah was all that was left. And Judah was in real trouble. And yet we are told, look at this. First, look at it, it continues on. It says that even during this time of trouble, King Ahaz continued to reject the Lord. (laughs) Even during this time of trouble, King Ahaz continued to reject the Lord. It was a curious statement, wasn't it? A reminder of what can happen when trouble escalates. You know what I noticed? When trouble escalates in life, it tends to move people one way or another. It can either move us to become softer and more open to God I've seen that, I've, I've, I've watched people come to the Lord because of a time of great adversity or trouble or pain. Something happened in the life of someone they loved and it, it caused them to wanna to come to the Lord. I've, I've watched it in my own life, how I've responded to God in places of, of anxiety and, and, and how places of trouble have, have instead motivated me to see that adversity as an opportunity, and it has been so, that God used some of the bleakest seasons of my life to bring the breakthrough that may not have been able to happen if I hadn't been broken of my own strength and confidence, perhaps. Maybe that's one way of saying it. There is a blessing in humility that cannot be substituted for, for God resists the proud, the scripture tells us, but... He gives grace to the humble. But when trouble hits, some of us, we tend to become more open to God. Others, I've noted, push him away and become even more entrenched in their unbelief. And I see some of that happening in the culture at large. The phrase continue to reject, right? That's it hit me. King Ahaz continued to reject. That's a sad statement because it, it implies a hardening. It implies that there was a refusal to listen to the appeal of God, that the adversity that was occurring, instead of making the king more open to God, it, it, it almost pushed him to an even more distant place. It turned him away from the Lord. And you understand this, I think you do. I, where we turn in times of trouble makes all the difference. Where we turn in times of trouble makes all the difference. If I turn to the Lord in my time of trouble, God will make a way for me. If I I turn to other things, um, I'm on my own. And when we're on our own, uh, we get the results of being on our own. That's, you know, the Lord is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Let's, Let's draw close to him in times of trouble, not push him away. Draw closer to him. And King, King Ahaz, we're told that <laughs> what he did was he moved even further from the Lord. Look at this. In verse 23, he offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him. So he, he started to worship the, god, the, gods, the false gods of his enemies. Because he said, well, they have strength. All right? For he said, since these gods help the kings of Aram, they will help me too if I sacrifice to them. But instead, we're told they led to his ruin and the ruin of all Judah. The king took the various, look what he did. He took the various articles from the temple of God and he broke them into pieces. I mean, this is incredible. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple so that no one could worship there. And he set up altars to pagan gods in every corner of Jerusalem. He made pagan shrines in all the towns of Judah for offering sacrifices to other gods. In this way, The Bible says he aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of his ancestors. You know, the rest of the events of Ahaz's reign and everything that he did, his miserable reign, this wicked king from beginning to end are recorded in the book of Kings, the kings of Judah and Israel. When Ahaz died, he was so despised that he was buried in Jerusalem, but not in the royal cemetery of the kings of Judah, no. Outside But then it says his son Hezekiah became the next king. Now, one would have thought that Hezekiah would have followed in his father's footsteps, but he didn't. But let's remember this, that at the time of Ahaz's death, the nation itself was in very bad shape. It was demoralized. It was demoralized, uh, spiritually bankrupt. I mean, Ahaz had been an awful leader. I mean, one of the judgments of God on a, on a nation or a people is leadership. And things rise and fall with leadership. When we, when we, are, when we have a bad leader um, in, like Ahaz was, uh, it affects everything. Leadership affects things. You know, he had adopted Baal worship as a national policy, think about that. And, and he enforced it at a local level. We're told that he had set up altars on every street in Jerusalem and that in the towns, the smaller towns, he had set up shrines to these false gods, shutting the door. So he was shut the doors of the temple and and desecrated its furnishings. We know that. Right. And setting up all these false altars and and then enforcing it. And we know from Second Kings, one more thing, too. We also know that he even it appears anyway that he offered one or more of his own sons as human sacrifices, adopting uh, the method of the Canaanites as they worship the God of Molech. That's how far he descended, how far away he moved from God. And yet something remarkable occurred after his son Hezekiah became king, and we read about it in Second Chronicles 29. Look at it with me. It says that Hezekiah, his son, was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah, And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did, in contrast to his father, what was, (laughs) who could have seen this coming? But he did in contrast to his father what was actually pleasing in the Lord's sight. He, He is one of the good kings. And just as he, in fact, his model was not his father, but David. It says, just as his ancestor David had done. He seemed to have had, we don't know how he got it, but he maybe he rebelled against all that he saw and maybe part of what he saw uh, moved him towards the Lord because he seemed to have a genuine, I mean, a genuine love for the God of of Abraham and the God of J- Isaac and the God of Jacob and the God of of David. And notice, notice what. Hezekiah did, and we're gonna sit with this for not only this week, but the next as well. Notice what he did to begin the process of breakthrough. There's a lot here for us. I mean, this is, this is a, a great truth we're about to look at. It says in, the, in verse three, in the very first month of the year of his reign. So the first thing that Hezekiah does has, really think about it, a 25-year-old leader who has just become king is he reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and he repaired them. And I just saw such a a connection between this verse and the idea of repairing the doors of the temple of the Lord as he, after he opened, he reopened them and repaired them. He wanted the house of the Lord to be reopened. He wanted the temple of the Lord to be a place where once again, true worship would happen. And I was again reminded, well, I was reminded of of, of a New Testament corollary a verse in 1 Corinthians third chapter, verse 16. So Chronicles is the Old Testament, Corinthians in the New. 1 Corinthians three sixteen says this, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, right? And the spirit of God lives in you. The older version says, you are the temple of the Lord and God's spirit lives in you, abides in you. And so, I want to ask the question as we make our way into the new year, right? Are there doors inside of us that God wants us to repair and reopen? Is there repair work he wants us to do? I mean, this is a a very important invitation that the Lord is making to us right now. Don't run past it too quickly. Let us sit with the wise and ponder Right? Let us sit with the wise and ponder. As I sat with this, I said, Lord, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I was created in Christ Jesus to worship and live for you. And I thought, Lord, are there there things that I have closed? You know, perhaps some of us, we can relate to what has happened here. That in this season of closure and confinement, where to some degree the doors of the house of the Lord have been closed. But, but I'm thinking of us as the temple of the Lord. Are there, are there doors that, that have been shut inside of us that God wants us to open? That's what I'm asking. Perhaps as we make our way into the new year, there is repair work he is inviting us to commit ourselves to. And I thought about a couple of different places where this may be important for us. One of them may have to do with our, I'll just use this as the first thing that, that came to my mind. It may have to do with our spiritual, our devotional life. It might have to do with our private life with the Lord. It might have to do with our relationship with Jesus. And we can sense God calling us to a rededication of sorts. Now, maybe that was an aspiration we had as we were ending 2020. And maybe some of us have started into the year well. And if you have and you're in your reading and engaging and and you're just really building um, a nice foundation this year, spiritually good for you. Stay with it. Keep sowing. Keep growing. Keep contending for the breakthrough. Don't stop. Stay with it. Stay on it. But maybe some of us, we got off to a slow start. Not too late, though, to get going. Let's get out there. Let's start pushing this a little bit because some of us, maybe the Lord is calling us to a place of genuine rededication to cultivate with greater intention the growing edge. Perhaps we've been a little too unmotivated, a little bit apathetic. Maybe we've been less engaged than we should be with the things that truly matter. God is calling us to up our game and to walk in the power of his spirit. That may mean recommitting ourselves to really seriously engaging his word, like a word like we're sharing today, to where we're praying about it, pondering it, talking about it, engaging in small group community. Yeah, even if that group is on Zoom um, or some other way that is maybe not as traditional as we're accustomed to, that's OK. But we're we're putting in the time to sharpen one another, to let ourselves be sharpened by others, to pray for one another, that you may be healed, the scripture tells us. You know, I'm doing this, but the idea of maybe also giving a little more attention to the reading of his word and Bible study, getting a little devotional that's why they call it a devotion, is because it has to do with devoting or sharing our life with him, that we're listening for his words, that we're speaking words to him in prayer, that we're we're thinking long thoughts about God and about our life and we're not just walking through life and and sort of, you know, caught up in the everydayness of it, that we're not welcoming in him into the everydayness. And so, you know, it might be something as simple as, as just recommitting to, to rise and shine, which is just like a little spiritual vitamin pack at the beginning of our day to help keep us uh, awaken to the things of God, and that stirs our, the pot and gets us up and running and, and also does it in the context of community, so that we're all hearing the same things together, and that in itself is beautiful, right? It may be, it maybe so you know maybe it has to do with something else though maybe maybe it's not necessarily our spiritual devotional life, which can really be supplemented with with a quality book and quality reading, and you know it could be a lot of other things as well. but Maybe it has to do with our relational priorities. Maybe part of what the Lord is asking us to to repair has to do with relationships. Maybe there are some key or critical relationships that God is asking us to tend to, to nurture, to um, affirm. And maybe, yes, even even repair. Uh, You know, I would assume that there are some relationships that have been damaged in this season of confinement, this covid period um but not just that I mean the last year was just filled with divisiveness, and I know it still is, but I think profoundly last year it it was a time of great tension and polarization and separation and isolation and uh tribal thinking, and we're we're not seeing things. Maybe holistically with sensitivity, but rather in a very narrow way that uh, could be actually damaging to the relationships in our lives, the lives the Lord has given to us to cultivate. You know, um, we we must start there. Uh, You know, those and it's interesting because that's also the, the place where we often can take things for granted relationally. You know, we may assume we always will have someone in our life, but that is not always the case. And relationships need to be nurtured. Now, it's interesting because in this time of, of confinement, there's been maybe a normalcy to a degree <laughs> that none of us have been accustomed to. And so I, it may be that we take, start to take things for granted because they're just, you know, it's habitual and we're accustomed to it. But let's not take the, the key people in our lives for granted. And let's not assume we will always have them. And instead, let's if if we're able to, and we're sensing there's been some damage that's occurred, let's devote ourselves potentially to repairing those relationships. And um, so I, you know, I ask the question: What would breakthrough and repair work look like? You know, are there some conversations we need to have with with a few people in our lives? Like get yourself in a place where you can have that conversation prayerfully. And then, and then ask to have it. Um, is there some love that we need to reaffirm that we've, we've been negligent around because we're just kind of used to it? And maybe it's even kind of, I don't know, just you know, that's the, 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 <laughs> the danger in being accustomed to something and having it all the time is, like I said, we start to just take it for granted, like it's nothing. But let's be careful about that. Let's be careful about taking for granted our great blessings. And maybe there is some love that needs to be affirmed. And maybe there are some, yeah, apologies that need to be made. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to be asked for or offered. That could be another stronghold, a reluctance to offer forgiveness. But let us forgive as we have been forgiven. We'll never stop needing the forgiveness of the Lord at work in our lives. So we should never stop offering that to others, especially people God has given us to love well. Maybe that's a door that needs to be opened and repaired. And uh, another thing I was thinking about how to do maybe with our attitude and demeanor. Perhaps some of us have allowed, oh, I don't know, negativity to define us instead of allowing our adversity to refine us we've given place to negativity and been defined by that. We've allowed a critical spirit to settle in. And instead of staying optimistic, we've yielded to pessimism, uh, a pessimism that needs to be challenged by faith, right? Don't yield to that. Don't let that be our defining characteristic, negativity and, and a critical spirit. Resist that with all your might in the Lord This is especially true, not the exclusive domain of the older, but it's especially true for those of us who are advancing in years that it's very easy to drop into a negative place. Let's Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's choose instead to embrace the joy of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We can always find reasons to be angry, upset, or offended. We can't. If we want to find it, we can find it. I can find it so it's easy I can find it inside of me. I can find it with other people, the world around me. Everything's bad going there. No, no, we can, all, we can drop into that place. That's so easy to do, but to cultivate an attitude of trust and optimism, uh, to think on the good things, think on these things, right? Good, true, noble, lovely, those things, that's, that's a choice we make. And so perhaps in the midst of this period that the Lord is saying this, that's one of the doors I want you to open open up those doors, repair those doors. Back to Hezekiah. Look at this. I love it. Verse three, in the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and he repaired them. You know, the the temple doors faced east into the brilliance of the rising sun. So the sun, when the doors opened up, the sun would come in. And when the light beamed in, it was a glorious sight. But I imagined them opening, repairing those doors so they could open again. And when they opened the doors of the Lord and the sun shone in, it revealed something, though. Because not only was it glorious, it also revealed the extent of the neglect and what needed to be cleaned and repaired and fixed. It allowed them to see with great clarity the, the dirt, the clutter, the mess In other words, not just the doors, but what was behind the broken doors. And I think we need to allow the light of the sun. If you can hear my, I'm talking about S-O-N, not S-U-N. Although, you know, it's good to allow the light of the sun, S-U-N, in. We need that. Keeps our spirits up. A lot of good things happen in sunlight. Use your sunscreen. But a lot of good things happen in sunlight. But I'm talking about Sunlight as in S-O-N-L-I-G-T, right? Sunlight, light of Jesus to shine in to our life and reveal at this outset of the year the things that he wants us to focus on in this month, that he wants us to clean and repair, right? If choosing to open the doors is the first step, then responding to what we see is the second step. So much of breakthrough is seeing and responding to what God is inviting us into. I'll say that one more time. So much of breakthrough is both seeing and responding to what God is calling us to be attentive to. You know? For what I cannot see, I cannot be. I cannot be what I cannot see. And this is one of the reasons why when Jesus interacted with the scribes and the Pharisees and his critics, he said, listen to me, your real issue is that you cannot see. Look what it says in Matthew 13. Look what Jesus says. He says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Oh, that last phrase, and let me heal them. Heal them. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. I mean, that, that it, that's so sad. But that is what the Lord longs to do in all of our lives, is heal us. It's what he longs to do in the life of every man and every woman. Because God so loved the world that he gave, he wants to heal. He longs to heal, but what we cannot see, we cannot be. We cannot be what we do not see. So opening the doors, loved ones, that's humility. That's humility. Then, and when we exercise humility and welcome the Lord in, When we repair those doors and open those doors up, his light shines in. And when that light shines in, then we can see, and now we have another decision, decision to make. What are we going to do about what we see? You see what, what the light does is it reveals, but it won't make us step into what needs to follow. That's a choice we make out of our own volition. In other words, we decide out of our own will to respond to what we see. And we can't respond to what we don't see. This world of ours, I, I, as I thought about the words of Jesus, I said, that's what our world is, that's our culture. They're, they're looking, but they they can't see. They can't see whom they, the of God of this world has blinded their eyes, they can't see it. So how, what do we do? You know, how, it's like you're looking for answers, but you can't even see what the real issue is. And so the beauty of, of coming to the Lord is that we can see, once we're able to see, then we get to decide, am I gonna respond to what I'm seeing? That's why we are to pray for people who we love, who don't know him, that they may be confronted and see, and and this is a strong word I know, but confronted with reality, that they may see what is. Now they'll still have to choose to respond, but a lot of times if you can't see it, you can't even respond to it. So we pray for the Lord to visit them with. Godly conviction, and often the places of brokenness are the places where God does some of his best work in terms of opening up people's hearts, right? I look at this and I say our culture looking for things, but they blindly chase after this or that possessions, relationships, sex, uh, drugs, you know, anything to solve the problem. And it, it can't get, it doesn't do it because you can't see what the real issue is and what the real solution is. But once we see, we still have to decide what are we going to do about that? Notice, notice what Hezekiah did. And again, he was a catalytic leader at 25 years of age. I'll I'll move through this fairly rapidly. He summoned the priests and the Levites to meet him at the courtyard east of the temple. And he said to them, listen to me, you Levites, purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. You know, our ancestors, they were unfaithful. They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, our God. They abandoned the Lord. In his dwelling place. Yes, they, they turned their backs on him. And they also shut the doors to the temple's entry room. You know it. They snuffed out the lamps. They stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and ridicule. ridicule as you can see with your own eyes. Because of this, our fathers have been killed in battle and our sons and daughters and wives have been captured. But now I will make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. That God won't judge us for our wayward wayward turning from him and getting the consequences of that decision. Because remember, when we decide to turn from God and we've known him, it's not a passive thing. It's different. Like God loves us to pursue us, and often connected to that will be a judgment to get our attention. My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer, Hezekiah says. Look at that. This young man, the Lord has chosen you. He's he's challenging them to live up to their calling in God. He, He has chosen you to stand in his presence and to minister to him and to lead people in the worship, in worship, and present offerings to him. You know, Hezekiah was zealous for the Lord because he wanted God's house cleaned and repaired and to be in good shape. Listen, so that it could do what it was supposed to do. And that is God's will for you and me, that we can do what we were created in Christ Jesus to do. For as we're told in Ephesians two ten, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hezekiah believed that if he honored the Lord, the Lord would take care of them, even though their enemies were great and their vulnerability profound. And so it will be with us, loved ones, though our challenges are real and our vulnerabilities are profound, and they may be, we can prevail. It's not about denying, it's about aligning. Aligning ourselves with the one who is able to bring good in all things. And will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, I have one more thing to share, but at this time, I want to shift a little bit, mix it up, keep it fresh. <laughs> We're going to have a song called Always. And this song reminds us of many things, not the least of which is that God calls us to a place of openness and surrender to sing the Hallelujah. Also, I want to remind everyone this is the time when I remind you about giving. Can never outgive the Lord. So many of you have been faithful in your tithes and offerings. If you want to, you can give, like we some of you do. Send it in to our offices. Others give online. Majority of us now give, you know, through the app. Whatever, whatever way works best. Like I say, before you ever give, though, give your heart. That's the one thing He truly wants. Because when He gets our heart, everything else just comes with it. All right, all right. So Lord. Meet us here in this song and then help us to close well together in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: This is the star.
0: Caving in, and I'm always yours. I want to sing my songs to you. I want to sing my hallelujah to you, Lord. Again, it's it's not about denying, it's about aligning, aligning ourselves with the one who is able to bring good in all things and will never leave us nor forsake us. He really can bring new life in anything that he's welcomed into because he's so good and he's so God, and he wants us to sow good and to sow God, that's when breakthrough happens. Remember this, you are so deeply loved, and you are created in Christ Jesus for every good work. May He keep you spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name.